that uh, the message this evening was going to have to do with how to study the Bible. Some have asked about that and requested that we have uh, one of the lessons on that subject. We started, uh, I guess, four weeks ago uh, in this series concerning the Bible, and we talked about why you need the Bible. The next message was taking time for truth, and then uh, last week... Uh, the message was, does God speak today? Well, He does. He speaks today, but He speaks through His Word, and uh, we need to realize that. So tonight we're going to talk about how to study the Bible. I suspect that every every person ever associated with Awana is probably thinking about one verse, and that's 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15. I'm going to read this. The thing of it is, is that a lot of people have misunderstood what this verse is saying. And they put all of the emphasis on the first word, study. And uh, that's a good word, not anything wrong with that. Let's read the entire verse. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Most of the time, whenever you hear people talk about that verse, they use it, you know, in the context that that this shows that we need to study God's Word. And they use that word study in the sense that, well, you know, I've got exams tomorrow, I've got to study tonight. And uh, they misunderstand what this is, verse is saying. That word study means to be diligent. It means to apply yourself, to exert yourself to do your very best. But notice what the objective is here. What is the goal that he's pointing us toward? He says, study, that is, be diligent. To do what? To have a daily Bible study? No, that's not it. Be diligent to show yourself approved unto God. That's that's the key. That's the main thing. That's what all of us ought to be doing our very best to do. We ought to be diligent in showing ourselves approved unto God. You know, uh, we could say, you know, that our purpose in life, our goal is, is to please God. And certainly that's true. And that's the whole idea that we please God. We're showing ourselves approved unto God. Approved in what way? As workmen that needeth not to be ashamed. You see, Christianity is not all about just learning. It's not all just about what we call worship. It has to do with us being workers, servants for the Lord. Study to show yourself approved. Workmen that needeth not to be ashamed. Now, the the reference to God's Word comes in, in the last part of the verse, notice where he says, rightly dividing the Word of truth. That means in, 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 in being diligent to show ourselves approved unto God, to be workmen that need not to be ashamed, we've got to do what? Rightly divide the Word of truth. So now, Bible study does come into the picture to rightly, correctly, properly divide the word of truth and this is the word of truth right here that I hold in my hand so that's what we're going to talk about tonight and again I want to make the same statement I did last week this is not uh, 
this is not preaching from the Bible, but rather about the Bible. It's simply talking, having a, a chat on uh, how it is we're to study God's Word. And before we look at some of the details, I want to emphasize the fact uh, as to the great importance of Bible study, because if we lose sight of this, let me tell you, you will not carry through on your commitment to study God's Word. Learning, generally speaking, is based on needs. For the most part, we learn those things for which we feel a need. You know, if we don't feel there's a need for it, uh, we don't care anything about learning it. Whenever I was in high school, I, I, I hated math of any kind, uh, and, and uh, especially when it got to algebra and what have you, I didn't want anything to do with it. I, I'm sure I made D's in that class. Why, why did I need to know anything about stuff like that? All I cared about was that drafting class. Man, I loved the drafting class, and lo and behold, the first real job, I won't tell you about the first one, but the first real job I got after high school was working for the Greene County Surveyor's Office as a draftsman, and then shortly, within a matter of a month or so, put on the survey crew, and that led into me going to work for the highway department in engineering. If you know anything about engineering, I'm talking about civil engineering, where, you know... <laughs> There's a lot of math required. Of course, that was back in the days we didn't have the calculators. We had those slide rules. Everybody had a slide rule in their pocket, you know, and uh, you had to know where to put the decimal and how to do this and that, and then you had to be able to figure out, you know, the square footage in, a, in an odd-shaped piece of property, and you'd go out and survey that and ha have to figure out all of the curves and the angles and what have you. And all of a sudden, I realized, man, I wish I had listened back there in that math class. You know, boy, this could have really been a help. But, you know, I didn't see any need for it, so I didn't learn it. And, you know, there are a lot of people like that when it comes to the Bible. They just really don't think about all of the benefits of Bible study. And I'm telling you that right at the very beginning as we think about this, you've got to keep that in mind because if you don't, you'll get to the place where you feel like quitting. And so let, let me just run down some things and mention some, some benefits of Bible study. First of all, it's infra, information for the mind. And let me tell you, you'll never get any better information than you do from the Word of God. No one who is really well-educated does not have a knowledge of God's Word. Nobody. Now, you know, you might excel in, you know, a particular class in college or high school or whatever it is, but you don't know anything about living if you don't know what the living Word of God has to say. This is information for the mind. I, I mentioned this morning the importance of knowledge. There are those who have not the knowledge of God. You know, I understand it takes more than knowledge to be a Christian. It takes faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But that faith is based on something that you know. You know, like the Bible says, how shall they hear unless, you know, you know, unless there's a preacher. Somebody's got to preach. Somebody's got to go and, and, and give the gospel. In other words, somebody's got to give the information. And it's only whenever we have the facts that we're able to have faith because faith 
is our confidence in the facts that God has given to us. So it's information for your mind, but it's also, at the same time, inspiration for your heart. And, and we always need that. You'll never outgrow your need for inspiration. I'm telling you, regardless of how long you've been saved, you're going to need inspiration. Uh, Bev made a statement yesterday, and and uh, I'm, it's personal between her and I. And but I, I told her later. I said, you know, I cannot remember ever, ever, and I've been preaching over fifty years now ever hearing anything that was so encouraging to me as what you just said. And uh, I'm telling you, regardless of how long you've been a Christian or how hard you work or what you're doing, everybody, everybody works better under a sense of appreciation and we all need that inspiration that comes, you know, from... Uh, from knowing who we are and what we have in Christ. Because it's not all about what we do. It's the inspiration of knowing that here I am, an unworthy sinner, and God loved me enough to give His only begotten Son who died on the cross. Amen. Was buried and He rose again. And, And He's quickened me by His Holy Spirit that is within me, Who and He promised to help me every step of the way till I get to heaven. I'm going to get to heaven, I won't need any help because then I'll be like unto the Lord Jesus Christ. We need that inspiration. There are a lot of folks, um, a lot of members of this church, let's be honest, that have just, they just, I, I don't know why, but, but they've lost something. It might be their joy, it might be, uh, you know, a number of other things, but you know, that's why we talk about many times, say, well, boy, we need a revival. Well, we surely do. But we don't need a revival that just comes annually and disappears in a week. We need a daily revival, the inspiration. And the, there's nothing in this world that will give you inspiration any better than the Word of God. So it gives you information for your mind, inspiration for your heart. But it also gives transformation of your character. It changes who you are. Our character is developed as a result of the time that we spend in the Word of God. Don't ever forget that. Then, let me add something else to it. It provides protection from the enemy. And boy, we all need that because Satan goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And the best protection you'll ever find, really the only protection you'll ever find, has to do basically with the spiritual provision that God has provided for us. And right here, it's the Word of God. Remember when Jesus was tempted of the devil? And in all three instances there, his response to Satan was what? It was to quote an appropriate section of God's Word. A section of God's Word that fit the situation that He was in at the time because there is power in God's Word. You need that protection. And that's why Bible study is so very important. And we could go on and on and talk about a lot of things, but surely that ought to be enough to, you know, if you'll just remember those four things, that ought to be enough to keep you encouraged. You you cannot afford to stop studying the Word of God. So, with all of that in mind, 
Let's talk about how to study the Bible. Someone made this statement several years ago, and I, I jotted it down, and I transferred it from one little notebook to the other, and in the flyleaf of some Bibles and what have you. I can't remember who said it, but the quote is, A man cannot milk a cow or whitewash a fence or make a shoe or paint a picture or write a book or keep a hotel or do anything else in the world unless perhaps it's to fill a government office without knowing how. It's pretty good, huh? That's about the way it is. I mean, you know, you... Well, you go there and do that without any knowledge or experience at all. But if you look, if we're going to succeed as Christians, it takes a knowledge of God's Word. And so that statement's true whenever it comes to the Word of God. And it involves more than just hearing a sermon. It involves more than just reading the Bible. And both of those are very important, of course. But it demands more than that. Bible study. Let me give you three words and you ought to jot these down somewhere because this, this is, you could say, the key components to studying your Bible. There is observation, observation. I'm going to wait till you got it written down. Observation. There is interpretation. It's one thing to observe what's there. It's another thing to interpret it and understand what it means. And then there is application. So those are the three key elements to Bible study. And we're going to talk about each one of those for a little while tonight. First of all, observation. That simply means to discover what the Bible says. Discover what the Bible says. If I'm going to discover what the Bible says, in the first place, I need to read it. I need to read it, I believe, daily, if possible. That You know, whenever Job said, I've esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Remember the Bereans in Acts chapter number 17 where it says, and they searched the Scriptures daily to see whether those things were so or not, you see. And so we need to read the Word of God daily so much as is possible. I know there are going to be days you've got the flu and you don't feel like reading the Bible, you don't feel like praying. I, I, listen, I've had some times whenever, you know, I'd try to pray and I didn't even know what to say or how to say it. And, and literally, I'm telling you the truth, I've just said, help, Lord, and just stopped right there. Because I realized anything I tried to add to it was just going to cloud the issue. I just said, help, Lord. In Jesus' name, help. You know what the need is, you know, just help. Well, when it comes to reading our Bible, there are times that naturally that, you know, you, you, you might miss a day or something. But as much as possible, read it daily. Read it prayerfully. Uh, there, there's, you know, I hope you understand that nearly everything I mention we can find some particular verse of Scripture for, but over in Psalms 119, we'll talk about that uh, later on. He says in verse number 18, Open thou mine eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. And I'm telling you, as you read the Word of God, you need to do so prayerfully. Ask God to open your eyes, to enlighten your mind, to swing open the doors of your heart and to give you an understanding. So daily, prayerfully, systematically. What does that mean? Well, it means that we just don't go about it in a haphazard way. You know, just 
hit and miss. Some people have the idea, and literally there are people that believe this and talk about reading the Bible. They just they just pick their Bible up and just turn to a certain page. And, and I've had them say, wherever, wherever the Bible turns to, that's where I start reading. Boy, you can... You can get yourself in a whole heap of trouble in that way, you know, because the whole thing is you can, by doing that, you you can make the Bible say almost anything. You know, it's kind of like one fellow said, you know, did you, you know Peter shot his mother-in-law with a Colt 44? And the guy said, no. It said, it said how, how do you know that? He said, uh, you know how can how can you prove that? So, well, he said it doesn't it doesn't say he didn't do it, so that must mean you know that there's a possibility that he did do it. Remember, remember. Let me give you something else. Whenever the Lord was was dealing with Judas Iscariot, he says, "Whatsoever thou doest, do quickly." You know, you can read that verse, and then you can skip over a little while where it says, "And he went out and he hanged himself." You know, you can use that as an evidence that you ought to go out and hang yourself and do it quickly, you see. You can twist the Bible around. You can make it, you make it say almost anything, folks. And so that's why whenever we study the Word of God, we need to have some kind of, some kind of a plan of action. Study the Bible as a whole, for example. I can remember many years ago, and I, I, I decided that, uh, and something I'd never done. This was a long time ago, and I decided we was going to have a series, and we're just, I, ca- I think I called it the highlights of, of Bible history, something like that. And we just started back in Genesis chapter 1, verse number 1, and we just hit the highlights, you know, uh, and went through the Bible. And I'll never forget so many people saying, and I'm talking about people that have been in church for many years, saying that helped us more than than just about anything we've ever done because, you know, we never had a real working knowledge of how everything fit together. You know, most people got the idea of Judges. You know, the book of Judges is just a little book stuck in there that doesn't cover but a little bit of time. You need to go study the book of Judges and you'll figure out in a hurry. It, it covers more time of the Old Testament than anything else. There's a lot to be said for learning the Bible as a whole, getting an overall picture. Naturally, it breaks down into two sections of the Old Testament and the New Testament. But beyond that, it breaks down in the poetic books, you know, and the, and the, and the, and the prophets and so on and so forth. And so we need to have some idea as to the, an overall picture of the Bible. And then we need to study the books of the Bible. Now, by the way, whenever I say this, please understand this is in no particular order. So I'm not saying you need to do this before you do that. But I'm just simply saying that in a systematic study of the Bible, you need to have some idea as to what you're studying. It might be the Bible as a whole. It might be one of the books of the Bible. That's a great way you know, to, to study God's Word. It might be that you're going to study one of the chapters of the Bible. A lot of people know John chapter 3 and verse number 16, but they've never studied all of chapter 3. I've, I've heard, look, I've heard preachers get up and preach from verse number 24, and some of those verses there, Jesus said this and Jesus said that. No, He didn't. John the Baptist said that. You know, we need to study the whole chapter. 
You see, it's important. And we get so much more out of it whenever we study the entire chapter. But it might be better, instead of trying to take a whole chapter, that you take a section out of a chapter. For example, if you're in the book of Romans and you're in chapter 8 of Romans, it'd really be good if instead of trying to just, you know, to grasp the whole thing, that you break that chapter down into sections. Start out, you know, with the first eight verses or so, and then move on. And, and you, it's easy to break that chapter down into sections, and, and every chapter is a lot like that. And so take a chapter of the Bible, or you might take a paragraph out of that chapter, or a particular verse, or a phrase that's within that verse, or you might just consider the words that are there in the verse. So, but you, you know, figure out some systematic way to where, you know, today you're in the book of Exodus and tomorrow you're in the book of Revelation, just reading, you know, and no, nothing fits together. Have a systematic study. And so, uh, to do that, why well, you've got to have a plan. Uh, you might decide that you would rather study a topic. And by that, I mean, uh, for example, justification. You're, you know, that's a good Bible word. It's an important truth. Uh, and so study it. What does it mean to be justified? Maybe sanctification. I mean, this list goes on and on. Take the word grace. Good night. You can spend the next month just studying the word grace, and, and you talk about something that will inspire your heart, that will do it. Uh, so take one of those topics and go with it. It might be that, that at some point in time you want to study a biography. Study about, let, let, let's pick one, Moses, Noah, Joseph, Daniel, whoever. And, and just say, okay, for the next month... I'm going to spend some time every day studying the life of Moses, for example. That, that is a great study to see, you know, the, the development of that man and how God used him, how God made him, first of all. And, and, and if you're interested in that, you can divide his life up into three sections, 40 years each. The first 40 years, he was a somebody. The second 40 years, he was a nobody. In the third 40 years, he was showing the world how God can take a nobody and make somebody out of him. And so that just study his life. Study, you, you know, the, the life of Daniel. Uh, uh, we could go on and on. Study names. Uh, numbers. Be careful with that. <laughs> But, you know, because I realize that there's something to be said about numerics in the Bible, certain, you know, numbers we talk about, and, and I, I've almost stopped really dealing with that because there have been some preachers that have written some books about numerics, and, uh, man, they have just surmised that, you know, that this means that, and so they take this number and, and just, wow, go way off into left field. But that being said, there's something to be said for numbers. A pretty obvious 40 is a number, you know, a probation. I mean, that's pretty easy to see in the Bible. You can study the types that are in the Bible. So study, read the Word of God daily, systematically, 
repeatedly. Stay at it, in other words. But not only do we need to read it, we need to meditate upon it. And again and again, there's several verses that that speak about this. Let me. I have to keep reminding myself there might be someone here that's never read some of these verses. And one of my favorite sections is here in Psalms chapter number 1 in the first three verses. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. Now notice the benefit of that. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in season. His leaf also shall not wither. Whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Wow, I could read several other verses. We could go back to Deuteronomy chapter number 6 and several other sections of Scripture that speak about this matter of meditating on the Word of God. But why would you need anything more than what I just read to encourage you to do that? It's one thing to read through something. It's another thing to meditate upon it where you're actually digesting it. I, I've got, I guess, a bad habit of I eat so fast that I've been warned that I'm not digesting my food. And, you know, I'm not a nutritionist. I don't know a lot about that. I just know if I like something, I eat it as fast as I can. And that's just a habit that I developed years ago. But let me tell you, when it comes to the Word of God, you need to read it and then you need to meditate upon it and then you need to memorize it as well. As psalmist said, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. And there's a lot to be said for that because the Holy Spirit has a way of bringing to your remembrance those words that you've hid in your heart. That one of the great things about, uh, well, Sunday school and Awana particularly, and to think about all of those sections of Scripture that these young people have memorized. You'd be amazed that, you know, 20, 30 years later, that seed, that word that was planted in their heart when they were a little child, saying their section in the church, and that same word will come to their mind, and during a crisis maybe in their life, the Holy Spirit will bring that to their remembrance, and it will help them through their difficulty. So the first rule, the first essential in studying the Bible is observation. And uh, we're going to stop there with that. The second is interpretation. That is to decide what the Bible means. You know, knowing what it says and understanding what it means are two different things. So having taken the time to study the Bible, to observe what is there and to meditate upon it and to hide it in our heart, then I have to interpret, figure out what it means. And there's a method to that. I'm going to give you three things that will help you in interpreting the Bible. Number one, you have to consider the text. Now, the text is the immediate, the, the immediate uh, scripture that you're dealing with. For example, if I get up here and say, you know, the text for my message tonight, you know, is John chapter 3, verse number uh, 16. Well, that's the text for the message. And there's several things that we need to consider whenever we look at the text, regardless of where you are in the Bible. Whenever you open to a particular verse of the Bible, and that's going to be the text for your study for that day, 
Ask yourself these questions. Who is speaking? Who's speaking? Is it, is it the devil or is it God? Is it man or who, who's speaking? Uh, you, you know, is it a saved person or an unsaved person? The Bible even records some of the words of people that, you know, that are unsaved. You know, I'm not so sure how to classify Job's three friends, but if they were saved, they certainly wasn't much help, that's for sure, you know. And so, so we need to know who is speaking. Secondly, we need to know to whom they are speaking. Who are they talking to? A lot of times, you know, whenever it comes to the letters, for example, of the epistles that Paul wrote uh, to the churches, we need to understand who he is writing to. Then we need to understand what he is speaking about. Well, what's, what's the subject matter? It's important that we understand that. Not only that, we need to understand when is he speaking? When? When? Was it immediately after his conversion? Is it many years later, you know, in his ministry? Or when is the time element in regards to history? You know, was it before Christ, after Christ? When? We've got to consider that. Where is he speaking from? You know, if I, if I had time, this would be a really good place to just stop and talk about study aids. And let me tell you, every workman needs good tools. If you're a mechanic, you need good tools. If you are a carpenter, you need good tools. Whenever it comes to the Bible, we need to avail ourselves of the tools that that will be useful. Uh, the English dictionary. Uh, your Bible's written in English. Somebody says, well, you know, I wish I knew Greek or Hebrew or whatever. Well, that'd be well and good, but... Let me tell you, you can, you can learn everything you need to know just with an English dictionary. That's not to say there's never, it's never helpful to make a reference to the Greek language or the Hebrew language. Certainly it is. It can enlighten us. And let me say this, and I often, often say this because I've heard preachers get up and say something like this. They read a verse of scripture, but a better rendering would be, you know, or the the Greek, the real meaning of this in the Greek that changes the meaning for us is thus and thus. Anytime I refer to the Greek or to the Hebrew, it's never for correction, but always for clarification. Because we can look, and you've got to remember that was the original manuscripts, you know, were written uh, Hebrew and, and Greek, and so... We can look at that language and get some clarification on the meaning of a word, but you need an English dictionary. You need a Bible dictionary. There's some great Bible dictionaries. For years, I used the Unger's Bible dictionary. I don't know, for some reason, I'm not saying it was the best. I liked it better than Smith's, but there's a lot of different Bible dictionaries. A concordance. Every Bible student ought to have a strong concordance. That's a key a key tool in the workshop for your study in the Word of God. Bible commentaries. A notebook. Just a simple notebook. A, a, a pencil and a piece of paper to where you keep notes because you can't remember everything. So I'm saying all of that in regards to considering the text. Having considered the text, you have to comprehend the context. 
The context is the setting in which you find the text. It's the verses before and the verses after. And a lot of times we misunderstand certain verses of the Bible because no consideration is given to the context. And whenever that happens, the Bible can be construed to say almost anything as I as I crudely tried to illustrate a while ago, you, you, can, you can make it say anything. And so that's why we have to comprehend the context, uh, get the big picture, in other words. So consider the text, comprehend the context, and then compare the text with the Bible as a whole. Compare the text with the Bible as a whole. I don't know what you believe, but where Peter says no scripture is a private interpretation, boy, some have run wild with that and said, you know, for example, the Catholics, they've said, you know, you don't have any business trying to study the Bible. It's the Pope and the church's job. They'll tell you what the Bible means. They're the only ones that can, the only ones, you know, that can interpret the Bible properly. That has absolutely zero uh, reference to what we're talking about here. Any child of God can discern what the Word of God says. God's not trying to confuse you. He's trying to enlighten you. But whenever it says no scriptures of any private interpretation, I think basically what it's saying is you can't, you can't take any one scripture and interpret the meaning of it apart from the Bible as a whole. You've got to look at the entire big picture. A preacher many years ago by the name of R.E.O. White. I guess he had three names besides the last one. R.E.O. White. And I can remember many years ago reading some books that he wrote. And it seemed like most of his writing had to do with the subject of preaching. And, uh, and it was always a blessing to read those things. But he said this. He said the widespread assumption that the Bible means what? Ever you can make it mean is the unhappy legacy of generations of preaching which took isolated phrases, mere fragments of Scripture, and wove them around whatever reflections and fancy uh, or, or, or exhortation that the preacher's temperament or fantasy might suggest. Now, you'd have to be somewhat familiar with, I guess, for the way that uh, many people in the South think to really appreciate what he just said, because he hit the nail on the head, and he surely must have been thinking about the philosophy of some of those people in the South. And look, I'm not against Southerners at all, not one little bit, but boy, if you're wrong, you're wrong, and it's you know, kind of like the the fellow that said we to the young preacher just come from the seminary, we ain't got no need for your book learning. Well, that's kind of the way some of them thought. They did. As I mentioned last week, their philosophy is just take a verse of Scripture and read it and get up and just let her fly to say whatever comes to your mind. Really? Let me tell you, the first year that I preached, for the first year... Bev could tell you, I was scared to death that I was going to cuss a blue streak. I'd been cussing all my life, and I was scared to death, and I, I'm, I'm being serious. 
I was afraid I was going to get up there and get to, you know, preaching against the devil and how I hate sin and what have you. And boy, just blurred out something I'd be sorry for. You know, so, you know, we better keep a watch on our lips and be careful what we say. And in order, in order to not get, you know, led astray, go down a rabbit trail or something, we've got to, we got to consider the, our text with the Bible as a whole. That's why for, ever since I started, I've used uh, outlines. Whether I use it or not, I outline every message so I would have a general outline of what the message was about. And it helps me, you know, to not be quite so repetitious in, in my preaching. And, uh, and I can have a reference point and go back to that later on. But uh, in, in doing so, I've discovered that whenever I'm studying something later on, ten years later, and I'll happen to remember, you know, I preach something about this might be from the Old Testament that relates to that, and it gives me a reference point. I can go back and forth. And you've got to do that when you're studying the Bible. You've got to look at what the Bible says as a whole. You can't take one verse out of the Old Testament and say, all right, this is what we ought to do, all right? How about an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth? You know, are we all going all gonna to live that way? Well, I don't think so. we got to look at the whole Bible. Well... So we've got observation, interpretation, and then one more thing, and that's application. Do what the Bible says. Now, I know you're probably thinking, well, that's totally unrelated to the subject of how to study the Bible, but it's really not because obedience to God will enlarge our understanding of the Word of God. You know, in other words, the person that is anxious to obey the Word of God is going to be quick to discover things they never knew before. I think maybe Jesus had that in mind in John chapter number 17, and or chapter 7 rather, verse 17. And the Lord made this statement that applies to what I'm trying to say. Chapter 7, verse number 17 of the book of John. Verse 17, if I can find it. Well, I'm in the wrong chapter. If any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. You see, there's connection between doing and knowing. If any man will do my will, you know, I've heard people talk about, well, I, I want you to pray for me that I that I'll know God's will for my life. Well, you know, my question is, are you doing God's will for your life right now? Because if we're not doing what we know we ought to be doing, why do we feel like we need to know any more than what we already know? We don't need to know any more if we're not putting into practice what we already know. So as we study the Bible, we need to look for truth that will influence our life. And I'm going to give you a list of things to look for. And... uh, You might want to jot it down. I hope that you do. I want to give you seven things you need to look for whenever you're reading your Bible. Commandments to obey. Well, you won't have to look far to find that. Commandments to obey. Secondly, warnings to heed. Third, food to grow. Something that will nourish you, help you to mature spiritually. 
guidance to follow. Instruction to share. Facts to confirm. Promises to claim. I'm going to go back over the list. Commandments to obey, warnings to heed, food to grow, guidance to follow, instructions to share, facts to confirm, promises to claim. And I'll tell you, if you will study your Bible with those seven things in mind, I doubt that your Bible study will ever get boring or stale. And it's like one preacher said many years ago, obedience is the best commentary on the Bible. Reading the Bible involves not only great eagerness, candid and careful meditation, faith in all it declares, reliance upon its promises, willingness to allow God to speak directly to the heart, and the desire to obey every command promptly, exactly, unquestioningly, and joyfully. Well, I wish I could take time to go over that and let you copy it down, but you're going to have to live without it. But I hope you got the point of what he is saying here, the connection between knowing the Bible and doing what the Bible says. Now, in one set of notes that I used in going over this years ago, I added a fourth thing that I'm not going to really go into But I added the fourth thing, which is communication. I've already mentioned application, and you know, that pretty well covers it. But I added the communication, which has to do like I was talking about this morning. Those of us that have been delivered by the gospel ought to be declaring the gospel. You see, somebody delivered it to us, we need to deliver it to somebody else. And the point is that Bible study is not an end in itself. We could spend the rest of our life studying the Bible. We could become Bible scholars, you know, and able to quote entire books of the Bible and what have you. But it's more to it than that. As James said, we are to be doers of the Word and not hearers only. So may that be our desire as you study your Bible, whether you're studying a book of the Bible, a chapter of the Bible, or a topic in the Bible, or whatever it is that you've chosen, prayerfully chosen. And as you study that, please do so with the understanding that you are to be a doer of the Word, to put into practice and to communicate with others the things that you've learned. Because all of us ought to be teachers. We ought to be teaching somebody. Amen? That's what, you know, it says in the book of Hebrews, in the time coming you ought to be teachers. He said the problem is you have need somebody teach you again. You know, you, you're just stuck on the basic fundamental oracles and you haven't even really learned them and you have to be retaught in regards to those things. And so, you know, we become students that we might serve the Lord and that we might communicate what we learn to others. Put it you. So I, I hope tonight that some of this has been helpful, and as I said, as we go on, you know, week after week, I'm not sure exactly where we'll go next week with this, but we're going to look at the development of the Bible, the inspiration of the Bible, and so on and so forth, and 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 cover all of the details and uh, hopefully answer some questions people might have. All right, thank you so much for being here tonight. Kind of 
kind of difficult in giving an invitation, but let me tell you this morning, this morning I did my best to let you know what the Bible says about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you know, who knows, there might be somebody you've been thinking about that all day long. And God forbid that we just shut down this service and go our way without giving you an opportunity or encouraging you or whatever we can do to help you in receiving Christ as your Savior. So we're going to stand. Tim's going to come. We're going to sing a verse. We'll just sing a verse a cappella tonight, a verse of invitation. If you know the song, sing along with us. And if you're here and God's speaking to your heart, we invite you to come.